Today, I'm talking to Nikki Field with Sotheby's International Realty since 1998. She has over $3 billion in sales and is annually ranked as the number one sales team at Sotheby's International Realty. Nikki is consistently ranked by the Wall Street Journal Real Trends Annual Report as one of America's top 250 real estate professionals. And she is consistently ranked one of the top 20 real estate professionals in New York City. She has broken sales record after sales record. Just to name a few, in 2018, she sold the most expensive resale in New York City at $54 million, for which she represented both the seller and the buyer. In 2019, she delivered yet another record sale at $80 million, which was the highest transfer in the history of downtown Manhattan. Her additional sales records include multiple $50 million-plus units on Billionaire's Row and numerous record townhouse sales on the Upper East Side. Nikki also excels in new development representation, including closing out 995 Fifth Avenue, the Stanhope, for Extel Development, Director of Sales for Kushner Properties at the Puck Building, a $170 million-plus dollar sellout, and 40 East 72nd, an $80 million sellout. Nikki was the lead sales director for the $400 million-plus sellout of 212 Fifth Avenue, which included the all-time record-setting downtown sale of the $80 million penthouse. And there's more. Outside of New York, her numerous worldwide referral sales include a Lake Tahoe residence for $48 million and the residences at Canyon Ranch in Lenox, Massachusetts. She travels extensively to emerging markets in Asia. Since 2018, she has been doing this, building on the growing global business of Sotheby's International Realty. Nikki has established herself as a real estate agent who is a financial portfolio advisor for international investors in securing and managing prime global residential real estate. She is a regular featured industry speaker, of course. She is frequently interviewed by national and international news outlets as an authority on the residential market. Just to name a couple, she was showcased on the PBS installment of Super Skyscrapers in which 157, the billionaire building, was featured as America's most luxurious residential building and highlighted her noted sales record of multiple $50 million single-unit sales. She was also prominently featured in the acclaimed BBC television documentary, Super Homes. With all of this success, it seems that her list of how to reach this level would be long and complex. She says it really just comes down to two essential steps. Today, in our interview, she shares what they are. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast was created for real estate agents across the country to come together, sharing ideas to take your, their, and our business to the next level. All right, everybody, it's the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. And today we have the very well-known 
highly successful $3 billion producing real estate agent, Nikki Field, with the Field team of Sotheby's International Realty in New York City. Nikki, welcome to the show. Well, hello to you, Jerry. What a pleasure and honor to be here today. Thank you so very much. Thank you. The honor is definitely mine and all of um, our listeners. So to start our interview, tell us a little bit about how and why in the world you decided you were going to be a real estate agent or did you decide and it just happened? I always find that's such a fascinating question for everyone in our career field. Like just about everyone else, it, real estate was a second act career for me. Uh, 20 years in marketing, a few years career raising two young daughters in New York City, prepared and ready to go back to work very soon, uh, given I was more of an, uh, I was, excuse me, I was more of a um, uh, interruption of my parent, my daughter's lives. Uh, when in fact I needed to be out working again. So the fact that I had the marketing career and that I thought I was going to ease myself into a part-time career, thought real estate might be the right fit. <laughs> that shows how much you didn't know yet. It only took me the first day, 24 hours into it, and you realize it is nothing like a part-time career. In fact, it's a career on steroids 24-7. But I loved it. I love the um, I love the activity. I love the people. I love the skill sets that I was able to use, and I knew it was the right fit for me. So I was often running in my local market, and in New York, it's a series of many different local markets. I was on the Upper East Side at that time, and I knew literally everyone, and I certainly knew the product. So it was a good fit at that time. That's back in the day, twenty years ago when real estate was local and my goodness how it's changed wow so you had had a career in marketing you're a mom and you're like hmm, i need something more to do because i'm becoming an interruption in my daughter's lives and you become a real estate agent and you like most of us it's kind of like an addiction you realize this isn't a part-time job you get you you're into it now only 20 years later not many people even accomplish a billion. That's a very high accomplishment. In 20 years, you've accomplished over 3 billion in sales. How did that happen from I'm going to do this part time? And everybody's side note, her first deal was a medical office building for $130,000. <laughs> we don't have time to get into that today. But but that's the beginning. I mean, it wasn't like business was being thrown at you. You went from taking the deal nobody wanted and learning from that to now you have built a business of doing over 3 billion a year. How did you do it? What, give us kind of the story about how did that unfold and how did you really get so far into this and so good at it? I believe my marketing background had a lot to do with it and luck even more so. Uh, I was in the right market to build up those kind of numbers. But I also knew from my marketing experience that I was going to have to bolt out, out of the gate quickly if I was going to be able to compete with these other extraordinarily experienced, well-known brokers um, that were in New York and doing extremely well. So I decided, as you earlier mentioned, um, 
to start with a specialty that no one wanted, which was medical offices. I feel very, very, very strongly that um, one should not be a generalist in this industry, as many are. I know brokers want to take everything that comes their way, learn it as they go, and trans transact. That's the name of the game. But in order for me to get visibility, credibility, I felt strongly that I needed a label and it started as a medical office specialist. When you are a specialist, you are drawing people to you because you are a specialist, not just a broker. So I had three things going my way. I was an agent that was familiar with Manhattan. I had a great, strong, well-known brand of quality, Sotheby's International Realty, and I was a specialist. So people started coming to me for that specialty. One specialty led to another, led to another, led to another. But the most important fact of being a specialist, and this is why I really recommend it to brokers starting out, is the press discovers you. Uh, when you're marketing your specialty, the press comes to you for content. You have a specialization that they want to write about. Um, you have data on that that specialization. You have experience in that specialization. You have perspective on it. And press garners you not only exposure, but always delivers clients. I was um, talking about my most recent uh, special specialization um, and produced a, an ad from it. And that ad, which is as we all know, our vanity ads, when you're bragging about what you do, uh, garnered me uh, 11 press requests, which is pretty strong. Wow. Tremendous exposure. And we monitored this and we had 19 inquiries of new clients coming in. And of that, we transitioned to 10 solid sales. Um, wow. Really, truly, um, separates yourself from the crowd. And in real estate, I believe you have to separate yourself from the crowd because there's so many competent people. Uh, and everybody knows a dozen real estate brokers. And I'm sure you hear this all the wow. time. Wow, at and, least. Yeah, and many of your, your listeners are probably hear the same thing. I'd love to use you, but I have 12 other friends that are real estate brokers. Um, I can't pick any of them. I'm going to take somebody else. Who would they take? Someone who's a specialist in their segment their price point, their location. And the specialist, when you're the specialist, you spend a lot less time learning a new market every deal because you know it. But, but those, those listeners okay. now are saying, but what do I do? Um, I specialize in something and I have a friend that may have a penthouse that I'm not specializing in. How do I capture that, that relationship? And therein lies my secret, it's the team. So your team of 20 specialists, each of us drilling deep in different areas. So when someone comes to us, we can say, and I specifically will say, I'm on this project with you. I'm fully invested, but I'm going to bring in my specialist who does new development uh, condos in Tribeca. So there's two for the price of one, the deep experience and depth of the specialist, plus a more experienced, uh, knowledgeable, uh, broker that gives our client, whether it's a customer or, or, um, or client, a comfort level that they are very well advised. Wow. So you just got your whole, your secret out to us in about five minutes. I it's love it. Specialize. It's been a pleasure, Jerry. 
Talk to you soon. See you later. Specialize and build a team. On specializing, you, I'm like, don't you go. I'm kidding. So on specializing, I loved one thing you said. Or let's review that, and then we're gonna. I'm gonna ask on this team. On specializing, you talked about labels. I've never heard anybody call it that. And then you had not only clients coming to you, but the press coming to you, which everybody else is figuring out how to chase them down. You just did your job and attracted them. And then you talked about an ad that got 11 press requests. Tell us a little bit about that ad and what it looked like and how that transpired. Um, this was a, a very significant sale, uh, 54 million in Manhattan. And it was in a challenging building that hadn't been doing that well. It was the largest resale in the history of the building. And we had the buyer as well as the seller. So I just heralded it, I called it. You know, largest resale, highest resale in the history of, well, actually it was the highest resale that this past year in Manhattan and specifically in that building. And it's a building that people have been quite curious about, high profile. The press was very interested in how we were able to take a building that had been languishing and have such a very extremely strong uh, result from it. Once a client reads that you have this capability, this specialization, this experience, and this knowledge, they really feel a little bit stronger testimony and endorsement than just hearing from a friend, you should use my broker. Exactly. So how did you do that? The sale? Yes. Ah. Uh, that was directly responsible uh, to my desk, my international desk. Uh, again, specialization led me to opening up numerous international desks starting in 2008. And the story behind that, Jerry, is uh, 2008, the New York market fell apart due, due to the mortgage-based... Um, the Great Recession. Yeah. I looked around. I forget. At that point, I had 12 brokers to feed, and there was no local business, and I certainly was not going to let any of them suffer or, or my business die in the mine. So I got on the road and started flying around the world um, following the money. Where were people buying? Uh, where were people interested in investing, specifically in New York? Um, and was on sale at that time. Our prices had adjusted significantly. So that travel led me literally around the world, a lot of time in South America, Europe, Eastern Europe, and Asia. Uh, I globbed on to uh, mainland China almost immediately, given uh, some great introductions by wealth advisors. Um, started my Asia desk, headed by an HSBC banker, and pretty much left it in his hands to generate the buyers to the U.S. We started getting a tremendous amount of interest, activity, and transactions from that Asia desk. I soon used that model and went to the Middle East, our Sotheby's owner in the Middle East, um, and asked him if he was interested in the cooperation of a, a Middle East desk in New York absolutely was because there's a tremendous amount of money coming out of there into New York real estate. That proved to be quite successful. Captured then India, February 2018, and our last partnership is now our Russia desk. There are many advantages 
that specifically lead to sales like the $54 million one. Uh, my Asia desk delivered the buyer for that $54 million uh, sale. The seller who I had already been working with also came from a domestic referral four years earlier. So this cooperative broker relationship around the world identifies people that aren't necessarily in your backyard. But there are many advantages to these desks and it's not just referrals. What we've been able to do is use this format as a sales tool. So when my Hong Kong partner is pitching a new development or a major sale, that partner can bring me on from New York in a active video presentation to that client and representing and marketing how we might present their property to New York buyers. So there's this back and forth of we'll giving each other exposure on a product as well as handing over high level clients uh, confident and, and comfortable with the fact that they'll be giving level one service. It's a really extraordinary testimony to my partner's relationships with their clients and the handoff to someone that they feel confident with. We do that with Atlanta, as you well know, Jair. Exactly. But you have built something that no one else has. I mean, you've built a true connection or true connections all over, not just the country, but the world. Well, success proves that for me. Uh, of our 300 million in sales in 2019, 68.7% of that was referral business, either in or out. So I would have done pretty darn well without that business, healthy enough doing 140 million in business for the year. But the icing on the cake are these relationships. The additional advantage is in situations like this right now, COVID-19. It's a whole new uh, corona economy. And these relationships are proving far more valuable than I had anticipated in my initial business plan. We're learning how others are dealing with this current economy, how they're exiting the crisis, and how they are adapting to their real estate market giving me extraordinarily valuable information to project, to forecast, to manage my business forward. This valuable information will probably be the reason that we here in New York and my team in particular will be able to bolt out of the gate once we're finally able. And when you're, you've got visibility and, con and you've got the visibility and the, the contact, the connectivity to investors all over the world because i imagine right now investors want to be in new york that's where their eye is and you're you're in front of them first because of this team and this network that you've built i hope you're right chair um <laughs> i think i am this is, this is usually how it works out for you <laughs> you project but the world economy is a complicated web of interconnections we know that now uh those are yeah. arena uh, understand how attractive our local real estate is to non-locals, uh, not just domestic buyers, but also mm -hmm. 
wildfires. I think the uh, ongoing ripple effect of COVID-19 is uh, an indicator of our new and yet to be fully understood future in real estate. Um, there are many, many, many safe havens right now, and that's personally what we're focused on here at the field team in New York, where our New Yorkers wanna to move to. This is a really interesting thing that I'm sure you're seeing. Real estate goals are now upside down. I have a lot of clients who have multiple uh, properties, large real estate portfolios, and we often help them in buying and selling and enhancing and building those portfolios. But it always has some connectivity to where they've been before, where they've vacationed before, where they have family before, where they have you know, the language or they have business. It was always a first level of interest before I want to buy real estate here. Something well, I think, extraordinary has happened. Well, I think to, to what you said, people are reconsidering their lifestyle because it got so abruptly adjusted. Yes. And they are looking at places that they have never even been to before. Here's how my clients are leading right now. Nikki, I am going to move the family. I'm looking for a safe haven. They'll use those words. I'm looking for a place with a, that has handled the virus well, who has limited borders. Who Send them to Atlanta, Nikki. We're, the numbers are, st are going down. It's crazy. And everybody's working. Or not everybody, but a lot, by the time this releases, we probably will be. Access to great health, good schools, obviously, but they have no other common connection to these areas. We're sending yeah. them around the world right now because we were able to what the environment has been. That doesn't mean that people are evacuating New York. It means that they're preparing themselves for the second wave and the probability, possibility that they may have to. On the other end of this, Jerry, which is really, really exciting, is uh, what is historically it's repeating itself, exactly what happened in 9-11 and in the financial crisis of 2008. New York real estate was hit badly. It stopped dead, just like it did this February in 2020. And then in both instances, and now we're seeing the third, the opportunist buyers are flocking in. Opportunist buyers are the investors that know that there's a, uh, an opportunity to buy low. There are distressed sellers and they want to take, take advantage of it, and they're willing to go deep, go hard, and go strong in buying good product, prime product, cheap. Well, we're seeing that now. We're being besieged by opportunists, uh, buyers from around the world, looking for who the vulnerable, distressed sellers are in Manhattan. We're making these deals happen. That's the only thing we've been doing in the last six weeks. And hopefully the results will be just like they were after 9-11 in 2008, within one quarter, the, the fuel that was established by the opportunist buyers, albeit they're buying low, were giving the owner, the buyer users, a comfort level and perception that it was all right to come back into real estate in New York. So within a quarter or two, depending obviously on the vaccine and the health of New York, we should be seeing the user buyers coming back into the market at a more appropriate number because they will not no longer be afforded these opportunist prices and we'll be able to see New York coming back again full. full wow. So, 
And that leads us back. That is incredible insight because everybody's got questions on COVID-19. What does it mean for the economy? What's going to happen? You just laid it out for us. And then going back to you're also prepared as an agent because you're specialized throughout New York with a team. So we're going to transition that into telling us how in the world, because everybody's dying to hear this, I know, how in the world did you you know, so many people try to build a team, it works, it doesn't work, or you've just got a lot of people doing together doing deals. How did you build your team? How did it start? And obviously, you're very specialized now. How did you figure that out? And where were you then? How are you where you are now? I, I've done a lot of um, study on this, trying to understand it, because there were times, obviously, when the financial investment, the time investment in building a team, I questioned um taking my eye off of selling in order to build an organization can be threatening and and, um, and full of risk but what i found out through my surveying is most really competent brokers agents in our industry can handle seven ongoing deals at one time max sellers buyers strong pitches possible business, closing business. Seven, we can all manage pretty well, keep everything straight, and still be very focused on, on, on our service skills. After that, I would hear over and over again, oh, something fell through the cracks. I'm not returning clients calls. I'm not mining for new business. Seven was the breaking point. And you can't really build volume sales, but just seven at a time. So I put mm -hmm. two, two things. I was going to have to bring on help, and I was also going to have to share business. And that's contrary to how most brokers used yes. to. I manage my own business. No one else can handle it as well as I can. And I'm going to be certain that I'm a micromanager and cover it all. If you want to build volume and build recognition, and build the opportunity to have large business. You need to identify, hire, train people that speak in your voice, sell in your style, are as, as excited, motivated by the business as you are, and also have the same opportunities. So I started like everybody else with, with an assistant. Uh, that assistant uh, soon became that assistant, in fact, my initial model was not to hire anybody with experience. Um, I wanted to train somebody. I wanted to train somebody my way, as I said, in my voice. So this assistant took a lot of my time, but also was a great assist. And soon learned how to uh, manage and sell our, our clients as I did. But this assistant got so strong, my deal with that assistant was, once you feel comfortable going off a salary, and you're ready to fly, your job is to identify your replacement, train them, and you'll be elevated to my partner. And I believe very, very, very strongly in teams, it's a partnership, not someone working under you or for you. I think that the, the recognition of a strong salesperson has to be equal to your own. They have to have that credit, they have to have that freedom, and they also have to have that, that recognition. So, one assistant would hire another 
train them, that assistant would become a broker and on and on until I had seven. Then I realized because my business was coming in so strong and I needed some really heavy duty assistance. I started then looking out there for other brokers that might want to come in, collaborate with me and head different divisions. So I quickly wow. head of townhouse sales, head of new development sales, head of Upper East Side sales. These were brokers that I recruited with good experience that were comfortable, which were hungry enough to know themselves that they were at their max seven deals and the team environment could build more volume. It's really worked. We're up to 22 now. Uh, we've only lost two people over these 20 years and both of them were. Wow. Wow. There's so much more to say about that because that is you really built it organically i think which made it gave you a really strong foundation and really built it on your values not just bringing in people because they'd come or because they might work out um what what do you think is your biggest i have 20 questions in my head and then we've got to wrap this up in about five minutes so everybody forgive me but the one thing before I ask you your last question, I mean, the, I'm going to do our final three questions. What is your biggest strength as a team? And I'm going to make that two questions. And what is the biggest weakness you had to overcome to hit such a level, such a high level of success? Hmm. Our, our biggest strength as a team is pretty, is each other. I, I know that's may sound vague, but it is. It's been proven specifically right now in this environment. Um, well, 22 of us have had different levels of exposure um, to this crisis. And uh, together, we're so much stronger than we would have been independently. Not only about the optimism of what's ahead of us, but focusing on our business plan, pivoting to new business plans. Each of us have decided what the team business plan will be, our new focus, and we've thrown out 2020 first quarter and we've reinvented what our focus what our mission will be but also being there for each other in personal ways it's been extremely yeah. valuable to me having this team support me when so many deals are falling apart and they are i mean the reality yeah. of my business right now is when we went into this we had 27 deals in different levels of uh, transactions, uh, all, almost signed negotiations, almost signed contracts, signed contracts, board um, uh, purchase applications, scheduled closings, and of those 27, 22 of them were in jeopardy. Many of them had to be renegotiated. There was extraordinary heavy lifting for many of our team members to provide data information confidence and comfort level for buyers to go forward. Even more importantly, data information, confidence for our sellers to renegotiate, take less money than they thought they were going to, adapt to the new reality. So the strength of the team is the valuable assets that each of them bring, teaching me every day, uh, teaching me every single day how to change my focus, my perspective, and my selling skills to truly service better than anyone else out there. I hope I answered. Wow. That's beautifully said. 
All right, we're going to do our final three. There's like, I have a thousand things I want to talk to you about now hearing that great insight. Um, I will, I'm going to sum up what you said, and then we're going to go into the final three. But basically, you came into the business because you're really smart and you were kind of becoming a distraction. I never said business. that. I, said well, like yeah, I better rephrase that. It's recorded, so I got it wrong. But But you, you know... You you want you needed some focus, or we'll let you word it. Next thing you know, you're hooked, like most of us are. We don't know what we're getting ourselves into, and here you are doing three billion. And the two things that you've really harnessed are specialized. Be really good at this because that's how you're going to best serve your customer and your client. And number two, in doing that, it's going to build a team to su to support your specialties and build other specialties to build a greater unit than you ever would have been alone. Now. You were paying attention, Jerry. Thanks. Who knew? Now, transitioning into our three questions. Number one, what do you think is your greatest resource or tool that you just couldn't live without in creating and keeping such a great momentum of success? Oh, I no hesitation on that, and, and this is not a paid commercial by any means, but my brand. My brand is the right brand for me. Joe, you and I have had conversations. There have been tempting opportunities, uh, numerous offers, um, great ego boosters, uh, yeah. and go with another brand. My brand comes into the door before me. I'm only as strong as my brand, so that means international realty is. And it's the brand that opened up all these cross-border opportunities. It's what I love doing, this broad global business, 68.7% proven in 2019. So my strength is my most valuable asset. And I make certain that my ego doesn't get out ahead of the brand. Make certain that I herald the brand first and adapt the tools to use it the best way possible. Beautifully said. The brand is, what I hear is the brand is the foundation, which brand everybody, it's Sotheby's International Realty, of course, but that is your, it's a platform. It's a foundation and a very strong one that you're able to build your business on and serve your team and serve your customers and your clients. And better than I. I'm just trying to sum it up. I always like to do that to help everybody stay on task. Okay. Um, the next question, is there a book that has just really changed your life and or career that we've just got to read? This may sound silly and you've probably heard this answer numerous times in your podcast, but right now it's the ninja uh, model. I've been really, 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 really impressed with the depth of, of the sales The sales perspective that that book provides, the new skill sets, the old skill sets that remind me should be new skill sets to reuse and reuse and reuse. Uh, we've been reading and reviewing a, a chapter or two on every one of our weekly meetings with the sales team right now. Very optimistic, very positive. It's all about selling. It's all about understanding yourself and playing to your strengths. Playing to your I, I've got it. So I've heard it a few times and I'm embarrassed. 
everybody, maybe by the time this releases, I will have read it because I, wa I did one webinar on the listing presentation mm -hmm. with Ninja. So good. And it was 10 minutes. No, it was an hour, but it was incredible, the perspective. And you know, it gave me. The trap we brokers often get into, especially if you're experienced and have some successes, we think we know it all and we continue to use the same skill sets over and over and over again. Well, that's a kiss of death. Uh, that's quickly going to render you inadequate and uh, out of sync. Relevant. Times. And I think it's well, that's how we became successful because all of the agents that were doing the same thing over and over, that was how I became so successful. So make sure we don't get caught into that same trap. Mix it up, reinvent yourself. Most importantly, most importantly, pivot. Look around you. Find out how the market will be changing before change. Get out of the gate first. Be be the agent of change, so you can in fact be ahead of the crowd. Last question. You may have just said it. What is the one thing? If we were just going to forget everything in this interview, but one thing, what what would you want to make sure that that is? Hmm. I, I think for me, it's that this is just an extraordinarily fortunate career we're all in. Uh, embrace it. Um, we are so, so fortunate to, to have caught the bug, to be good at what we do, to be able to extend our days meeting such interesting people, challenging transactions, um, really using all your, your brain cells to work through problems and get people to, to the eventual um, results they want. It's, it's a daily experience of satisfaction. It comes along with a daily experience of rejection and, <laughs> and faults. But when you do something really well for a family or a person and you meet their goals, must be as exuberating as just about anything else you do in your business. We're one of the few industries where we see the results. We're constantly getting those results of, of satisfaction and completion. I'm really, really fortunate that I chose this career. I plan to be doing it till my last day on earth. Wow. Thank you. What a great interview. Thank you so much, Nikki. Jerry, you're the inspiration. This podcast is, is viewed by so many thousands and thousands of people now. Uh, they've been looking to you, particularly in this era uh, uh, in time. And I'm just so privileged to be your friend, your partner, and to know you. And I thank you for this opportunity. And keep doing this as well as you've been doing it because it's inspirational to all of us. Thank you. I will. <laughs>